the backup. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we'll do this one. Um, and if you need a break, just put your hand up like this. In giving away the uh, control, you got it. All right. So welcome to episode five of Control Issues. Um, we are not taping at the Most High Studio today because one of my besties is picking up two years. So did a little bit of uh, some rearranging with the schedule. My lovely guest was very kind enough to be willing and move some things around um, so that we could do this. So hopefully I can surprise her at a meeting if she comes. So we'll see. Um, but how can you not go pick up your chip on your day? Um, so today I have Chancey here in my house. We're recording back with the dog and cat, so I'm very happy. Um, so Chancey, you don't need too much of an introduction. People know you, you're nationwide. Uh, um, but why don't you give us just like a quick rundown, like who are you, where are you from, what's your deal? Okay, well, my name's Chancey. I am 28 years old. I'm from Carrollton, Georgia. Uh, grew up most of my life there. Um, got almost a year and a half sober. My, my main two vices were, were alcohol and heroin. Sprinkled a little meth in there and things got pretty weird. Uh, <laughs> got pretty dark and pretty weird there for a while. Those um, are my favorite stories. You tell her your meth stories. And you know, that was a short, that was a very short, you know, period of my using, like maybe right. the last four or five months. But uh, I, I, you know, owe a lot to meth as far as, uh, you know, helping me get done. Cause like, right. you know, I, not that I was manageable using or drinking, but I mean, the unmanageability of, of the methamphetamines and not sleeping is, is like next level. Yeah. And, uh, Have you seen that meme where it's like 46 days till Christmas or three sleeps? And you're doing yeah. That? Yeah. You know, and come to find out there's rules to using, like you're supposed what? to sleep and eat every now and again. And, you know, I didn't know that I'd stay up two weeks at a time, you yeah. know, without eating and, and wondering why I'm seeing things and while my parents are plotting against me and, you know, everybody's after me. So <laughs> do, do they hand out a rule book? Cause I, the meth that I did was Molly, right? Like meth based Molly. I never did real meth cause right. I'm a pansy. Okay. And, you probably did without knowing it. Oh yeah. I well, think and that's how I got on ex- it. Right. Exactly. Like you're doing something and you're like, Oh, this is not what I thought, but I'm going to spend the rest of every penny that I own and every time or minute that I have, um, on doing this substance that I've now been introduced to. Um, um, I was scared by those meth project commercials. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where oh, it'd yeah. be like, just once and the person fades into the couch. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, I'm like, heroin sounds great. I'm cool with that. Right? But meth is the line. I would say one difference between them is, is seems like meth users are a little more friendly. People will share meth with you. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's breaking you off any heroin. You know? No, they're stealing your dope when you're <laughs> right. ODing, right? right? Like, like excuse yeah. me, I'm going to call meth the cops. will share and then they'll fix your truck with aluminum foil and zip ties, you know? <laughs> it's like very uh, ingenious. I've managed to not snort on this podcast yet because I, <laughs> for the listeners, I snort when I laugh um, and I've kept it pretty cool. I think it's because we're in a different environment this time. Um, so you came in here with the help of someone who's in the rooms, right? Right. Um, but that's not, this is not your first go around. You came in to what, Talbot, right? Yes. I went to Talbot in 2000. 16, 2016 was my first like, introduction to any kind of recovery or rehab and um, stayed there for four months. I met a lot of good people, people that are still in the rooms, um, you know, that stayed sober through that. So seeing that kind of helped me come back. Um, I'll say, you know, I left out of, out of that treatment center without doing any work, but not wanting to use, like thinking in my head, you know, I'm never going to use again, but I had, you know, done zero work, right. no solution. It was days, you know, before I was back drinking and right. using what is it that uh, Bill Brown says that it's not really a relapse if you haven't even started? Right. You know, you can't relapse if you've never had any sobriety. There's a difference, you know, I think between, you know, being having time in sobriety and just being dry, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it shows, you know, being dry, you know, I've been more miserable than I've ever been just without drugs and alcohol, but without working a program right. um, for a time in my life, you know, going through breakup and breakups and things where I... I just put down everything, but, you know, I can never, that's the most miserable times I remember. So, of course, I went back to what I knew, which was drugs, you know. Because that's the solution you have at the time, and that solution's still working. I mean, I've technically been bouncing in and out since 2011, my first stint in rehab, and um, shout out to Insight, taught me a lot there, Um, and a connection with the people, like my sponsor, I met her there, my sponsor now, Um, but 
you know, I thought for the longest time, like I've picked up a lot of white chips. I've picked up some dirty silver 30 day chips, but I was never trying the program, right? Like I can't count those in my mind. And like everything we say on this podcast, just a disclaimer is this is our experience, right? I'm not the authority on recovery. I'm not the authority on anything. I'm definitely not the authority on fantasy football. I'm getting my ass handed to me this season, Um, but that's a whole nother Ted talk. But you know, something that I've learned is that I, I really wasn't doing this thoroughly and rigorously and honestly until this go around. And yeah, I learned things before, but that it wasn't real. Was that kind of your experience, right? Like, so you were talking about you came in, but it wasn't wholeheartedly, right? Right, right. And I was, um, you know, some criminal charges forced me into the rooms and uh, forced me into treatment. So of course, you know, when you're facing some time, you know, a couple months at uh, Cush Rehab sounds pretty awesome. Right. They're going to detox you off Suboxone and with using Suboxone. I mean, it sounds, you know, good looking women. Right. like a great time. You know, Put like some meat back club. on your bones. Right. right. Get your neck back, you know. Get your but, neck uh, back. Is that what you said? That's what, that's, that's what they say. Um, I think, though, this last time when I went to, by the way, shout out Bridges of Hope. Yeah. Um, shout out Bill Brown. Shout out Stephen Rossborough. I owe my life to those guys who, you know, showed me the path and, Along with other guys that went to the bridges that are still out here, you know, in Atlanta, you know, doing the deal. And, um, you know, I still talk to about five or six of them on a regular basis. You know, that's my network. We got sober together. And, you know, although I have new friends that I've, I've forged bonds with, there's something for me, you know, mm-hmm. when you when you get sober with somebody, when you see them come in, you know, yeah. like me and a couple of these guys, like 100, 120 pounds, you know, and then, you know, we're all, you know, pretty good athletes. So we come back, you know, but yeah. just seeing each other and, and coming through it. But that being said, you know, it was a little bit, little bit different for me at the Bridges. I wanted some help. Like, I had just got so spiritually bankrupt that, like, I remember, you know, it had, this offer had been on the table for a little while. Um, a friend of mine, like I said, that went through the Bridges had, had kind of showed it to my parents. And so it was, it was there. And then my parents were just waiting on me to, you know, ask for the help. And when I finally did, you know, my dad was like, let's go. Well, and that's good on your parents, too, because I think oftentimes, like, people want the best they have the best intentions like I want to help my family member and they shove them in a direction and it it doesn't work until until I was willing right until I really wanted this not wanting it for my parents not wanting it for a safe place to stay and like the book talks about that like any situation we can get sober in it right and I've seen people who are homeless and stay homeless in sobriety I agree but like if you're seeking a solution if you're ready to find one you'll find one you'll do it you'll find one I mean I shared that in a group message we're in the other day or today someone was like I'm not going to pay seven dollars for a devotional app and I was like would you pay more for dope like (laughs) if you would do it for dope will you do it for your recovery so Talk a little bit about the bridges because I'm a huge fan. I mean, you're one of my closest friends. A lot of my friends have been there, um, and it's a wonderful program. But for those who don't know, it's long term, right? So, what's that like? Because I went to IOP, and that's not the same at all. Right. So it's a six month program. When you when you when you come in, you are committing to the six months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's men, just men only, in the middle of nowhere, Louisville, Georgia, which is you know 45 minutes to an hour outside of Augusta. So. Beautiful compound. It's off, you know, a mile off the road. Um, you know, if you want to leave, nobody's keeping you there, but it's a long walk <laughs> to civilization, you know. Um, and, you <laughs> has know. Has Ben made that walk? No, I don't think he has. You know what? He might have, though. I wouldn't doubt me. If, I wouldn't doubt it if he did. But, so, the Bridges is not, you know, I went in there with my only experience being Talbot, so I'm ready for a doctor and detox, and that's mm-hmm. just not the case, Um this is like, uh, you don't even call it rehab, it's called a recovery center. So it's big book based. Um, everything everything we do, we're reading out of the big book, coming out of the big book. Um, Bill Brown's got classes, you know, step 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 work, step classes. One, two, three, then he does four and five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, he breaks them down. Uh, Roscoe, the assistant manager, and Chad, the supervisor, they all have a, you know, a part to play as well. Um, you know, and, and Bill lives on site. Roscoe lives on site. Everybody there lives on site. The, the three... Paid positions there all recovered heroin, alcoholic, mm-hmm. meth addicts that came through the bridges of hope themselves. Um, so you know it works because they're doing the deal, exactly, right? Exactly. So sounds incredible and awful all at the same time, right? Like if you're <laughs> ready to be done with it, ju- I bet you show up in the middle of nowhere and you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? But what was it like to be in a program to like go in? I'm talking about like maybe your first week with just a bunch of dudes and be totally submerged into it because it's not like IOP where you kind of go and then you commingle with people at meetings you're just like all in right right and 
I will say there's something about that place. Like I felt welcome as soon as I got there. I think a lot of it had to do that I was just so ready for something else that, Mm -hmm. you know, the withdrawals, they were terrible, but they didn't seem as bad as I remembered them. And I think a lot of it had to do with that. I knew where I was at. I knew I was going to be there for six months. I knew I couldn't get dope. Yeah. And I was just relieved to be somewhere. And I saw people that were like me because I listened to stories they were telling that they were just like me that were three, four, five, six months ahead of me. They mm-hmm. were, were smiling and laughing and happy and I could relate to them. And I, I felt, I felt off the rip that I was in the right place. And, yeah. you know, it turned out to be true. I, I really, I really enjoyed my time there, which is, you know, I don't ever want to go back <laughs> for six months. I go visit sometimes because that place is special to me, but, um, it's not a vacation. It's not a vacation. It's self-run, you know, I mean, they do all the yard work there. We do cook all the food. We have a garden maintenance mm-hmm. crew that takes care of the tractors. I mean, it's all self-sufficient. Right. So, um, you know, it's, you spend the day working and then throughout the day in the mornings and the evenings, you got meetings and classes and, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, there's fun, you know, we got free time where we had a volleyball court, basketball court weights. So we got to be active as well. You know, they kind of incorporate it all. Right. They do keep you, uh, they limit your working out to three days a week. Cause you know, and, and I'm, I'm this way, like I want to work out all the time, you know, and you start worrying about your, your, you know, external appearance rather than, you know, the internal problems. So that's part right. of it. And my favorite thing there above the mirrors in the in the bathroom, it says you're looking at the problem, you know, so Ooh, I love know, from that. the first day I got there, I was like, what? Well, you, no. so we're in my apartment, right? You've been here before in, in my bathroom, you know, I always have something written up there and I love that, you know, cause I, right now I have, you're beautifully and wonderfully made cause I need a little self-esteem boost. Um, <laughs> but that's great. Cause it does remind us, like, I thought that the problem was my circumstances around me, right? If I just moved to Savannah, if I just moved to Columbus, Georgia, I've lived in so many places that when I filled out my background check for my current job, I had to call the HR people because it was all online and be like, I can't use these spaces. I need more. And she was like, there's 15 addresses for the last seven years. You need more. I was like, yeah, but I've got about five more because you know how, or anyone who knows me knows I'm very organized, but even in addiction, I'd be like, I have to change my address. So if you change your address legally, um, but I took my problems with me um, and it didn't matter who I was around or what I was around really, to be honest, at that time, um, I was still going to find a way to get high. I was still going to find a way to manipulate people. So I met you, I guess, right after you got out of the bridges and you came up here. Um, what brought you up to Atlanta? Because I don't know that part of your story. So... Um, getting out of the bridges of hope, I was ready to do something different after Talbot. Like we talked about, I went straight back to where I'm from, was mm-hmm. just going to you know, go back there, go back to school, work, whatever. And, uh, it didn't work out for me. So I was willing to do something, something different this time. Like I said, the guy that kind of introduced me to the bridges of hope, he had a recovery center, a halfway house here. So mm-hmm. I came and I moved in there, uh, stayed for a couple months, maybe two. And then I ended up moving out of there moving into a house with, who's now my best friend, shout out Spencer Gregory. Um, <laughs> well, we had last episode where we talked about you, and then now you can talk about Spencer. Yeah, and that's my dog, and he's been, you know, that's been the closest bond I've formed in, in recovery, and he's like a brother to me. Um, mm-hmm. We've been living together since, you know, about two months of me being up here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've lived in Marietta, now we've moved to Roswell, and, you know, I, I've never lived with somebody who outside of my family that, you know, I get along with 24 seven. I've never had a problem with Spencer. Yeah. Uh, we share everything, you know, it's not even a thing. Um, I know if I ever need anything, he'd be there for me. You know, he's, uh, like I said, one of the best friends I've ever had. And, and I love living with him. If I need something, I walk across the hall and talk to him. <laughs> exactly. Same, same with him, you know, and, uh, it was for a while where we were working together as well. So we spent a lot of time together, not as much now, you know, relationships mm-hmm. and, and different jobs with us changing work. But um, still get, you know, if I know if I need him, he's there. So. so you guys are obviously very, very close. And, you know, it's evident. You see the two of you. It's the cutest little bromance I've ever seen. <laughs> um, second to maybe Clay and um, and Robert. But um, you guys went on this trip. I remember there was like a message in our group message. And then all of a sudden you guys drove across the country, right? So what's it like traveling because we've done some travel together where we went across state lines to go travel for recovery but you got in a car a ford fiesta with spencer (laughs) and another guy and drove across the country what's it like to do that and to be sober and like i don't know what what was that experience like because i'm so jealous so it was by far the best experience of my life um something i never thought i'd do it's something that you know people talk about doing Mm -hmm. and we had been talking about doing it and you know some circumstances 
arose and we had the opportunity and we were playing with it. So we were at the gym and we were talking about it. And then we went to, I think we went and got a smoothie and we were like, are we going to do this? Like, well, let's call. So I'm calling everybody thinking somebody's going to talk me out of it. My sponsor, my mom, everybody. They're like, dude, you got to go. You might not ever get another chance. So the next day we pack up and we're, we just take off, you know, we told a few people, but we took off and, um, Got to see the world. It like I said, it was the best experience of my life. Got to see some really cool things with two of my best friends, and um, we really didn't butt heads the whole way. You know, we we slept in two beds. We slept in a we slept in a hotel in Las Vegas, right. and we slept at Spencer's father's house in Bakersfield, California, one night. Other than that, we just and we're rotated. In, we're in Georgia. We're so. in Georgia. We went coast to coast. So that's how you're. It was a lot nationwide. It was a lot of driving, but. Uh, you know, we would just, somebody hop in the back, the other person hop in the front and drive out. Right. And, you know, we camped out a couple times, all three of us on a single, uh, a queen-size air mattress in a one-person tent. But uh, we that. were so tired, we just passed out, and I, I got to see things I never thought I'd see, and not once did I ever, like you said, used to. I could go where I could go anywhere in the in the country, in the world, and, and dope was always on my mind. Yeah. And it was the opposite experience. I'm all over the country, never once thought about it. You and know, you were just, in, in Vegas and Vegas, out west, right? And, there, yep. and I've been to L.A., and um, there's weed everywhere. Because even if it's not the dope, right, I, there's right. still a way to get right. there. Right. And, you know, and, and there's, there's marijuana all over the place. There's little stores. It's legal. But... It's just, you know, when the obsession's been removed from doing the work, I was so focused on just seeing, just mm-hmm. seeing, you know, the country, seeing things I'd never seen. And, right. Um, it was a very spiritual experience, you know, the Grand Canyon. We met up with, with a guy out there that's in the program that used to work with us that we've known. He's, he was out in Arizona, so we met him at the Grand Canyon, and, you know, we all had, you know, a little devotional and prayer, and... Um, Early on, I remember me and Spencer, I, one of us brought a devotional. So every morning mm-hmm. we would read that. And morning kind of changed because morning was different for all of us because we were all <laughs> sleeping. So sometime during the day we'd read something. Um, obviously, we're getting calls from everybody back home, staying yeah. connected. So. And I was like, when are you guys coming back? I, <laughs> I wish <you." laughs> I wish we wouldn't have. I wish we'd have had more time and more money. But um, still, you know, it was a great experience. So um, sounds incredible, right? And I think it is incredible. Like, it warms my heart to hear you guys talking about how you were doing devotionals. Like, you guys went out to hang out, and uh, my best friend was out there, and the whole time she's like, send me a devotional every morning. And so every morning I'm, like, sitting at my cube, texting her um, a devotional. Um, I've had the pleasure of traveling around the country in this last year for the fellowship and um, to get to go and do some service, but... In that process, I've also gotten to go to meetings in other places. And I've been to AA meetings around. My family lives in Florida. I've been to those. Did you guys get to go to meetings and experience, like, our community here is close-knit, and it's different than other meetings. Right. And I'll tell you this. So we went to – we did get to go to some meetings. The most memorable one was in Prescott, Arizona. Where, oh, yeah. Uh, Shout out, Ian, if you're shout, listening. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to meet somebody who helped start, you know, found HA out there. Um the, I can't remember exactly what day we were there, but anyway, s- close by was the very first HA meeting. We mm-hmm. were there the wrong day, so we went to one of the ones. Still been going on from almost the beginning, and they welcomed us. You know, they were happy to see us. We went out to eat, got to yeah. talk some recovery with people from, you know, with a lot of time. They helped they helped start this thing. You know, like I said, the bridges we. It's AA, you know, big book, but that's the same thing. CA uses it. HA uses the big book. You know, mm-hmm. the solution's the same and, and the same out there. They were coming out of the book. Um, it was it was cool to get to, to share and meet people out there. And just, uh, you know, how welcomed we were. You know, right. these people have never met us. And it's like, hey, these boys are coming from Georgia. They brought <laughs> us in, took us out to eat, you know, made us right. feel welcome. So, you know, it's... Well, it really is, you know, it's great to have this. You, you can know, find... It's crazy how this program works in the sense that... We all think we're different. You know, I came in, and especially at the in, way back when, when I was first bouncing in and out, um, and all I saw were the differences, right? Like, you didn't get high like me. You're not like me physically. You're not like me spiritually, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it prohibited me for a while because I was like... I can't connect with these people. I'll never have friends. I re- To be honest, I didn't really have friends before. I had a bunch of people that I got high with, right? Um, but coming into the rooms and having, like, the experience you said, going out to Arizona and instantly clicking with people that are – because we all have the same, the same shit, really. And I think it's so great to be able to make those connections. And, you know, we've only known each other for, what – less than a year no it's been a year now yeah yeah. but I feel like I could call you for anything you know and it was like that right off the rip so to dial back a little bit and to get a little bit more deep that's what she said (laughs) 
I've been waiting to do that on this podcast the last four episodes and been refraining. There have been so many good opportunities. Um, but you talked about how, you know, this spiritual experience, and I think at one point you mentioned that doing the work. Um, so when you say doing the work, what are you talking about? So doing the work is, is doing the steps. And I think you touched on it, not just walking through them, but honestly and thoroughly, you know, doing it like your life depends on it. I remember being at the Bridges of Hope and, um, you know, going through those classes. And then not long after I got through like the one, two, three class, I had a sponsor, you know, and those were easy for me personally. But then once it gets to four, you know, you actually have to put some effort in and right. do some work. So you know? one being surrendering, Surrender. two, learning your con- conception of God, whatever that may be to you. And God is your higher power, really. God is just, you know, how I re- reference it. And then three, making that decision to continue on with the steps and to give your life over to right. your and, power. And forever, you know, it was easy for me to get down with, you know, surrendering and, and, you know, step one and then two. I'll tell you this, to I grew up in church and today I still don't have like a visual of what mm-hmm. God looks like, higher power looks like to me, but I know for a fact that it's there and it's proven itself. So I talk right. to it, you know, I don't really care what it looks like anymore or, or what it is or what its name is. And early on, I heard an acronym for God, which was grow or die. And I have carried that with me, you know, I yeah. still... That now that I've been sober and worked these steps, it's not over. You know, you got to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but then three, you just put it the right way. I, I always said, what am I turning my will over to? And somebody said, look, man, it's just the, you know, are you committed to going through with the rest of the work? And I said, well, I can get down with that. And, you yeah. know, through doing the work, I had an experience that proved that there was something out there, you know, right. that, that changed it's my life. It's just that tiny, like, to use a cliche, that mustard seed, right? Like, I'm willing to just put a teeny bit and take the neck, put my next foot forward and in my idea and perception of once we think that we know what God is, we stop seeking, right? And if we stop seeking, my experience shows me that I'm right back to finding the original solution I had, right? The solution of God stops working. Um, And I know I I love listening to you and Spencer and you guys are always like, yeah, we just need to pray, safe and protected. Um, But, you know, beyond that facade or or maybe not facade, but that image that you guys present, I know you do that honestly. And would you say that your prayer life is the most important thing for you or what what else is like really important in your program right now? I would say that that my prayer and meditation is the most important thing, um, coupled with probably a nightly review that I've done since Mm -hmm. early on. Me and a couple of the guys at the bridge would get together after headcount. We would meet up and we did... Uh, nightly inventory together where we went through where we were where were we resentful dishonest selfish um you know do I owe anybody amends and I still do that today now I don't always do it with somebody else you know Mm -hmm. um I'll do it I'll do it before I lay my head down at night and then if there's something that keeps cropping up I'll bring it up to one of those guys that have known me from the get and then every morning my morning starts off um and I heard somebody with 30 something years say that the first thing they say when they wake up is good morning, God, what can I do for you today? And that's just mm-hmm. automatically to get out of myself. So my brain's trained to say that I say that I get up, I go downstairs and get coffee and uh, usually sit with the dogs on the back porch and do prayer and meditation every morning. And I yeah. think that's been constant. That's been an everyday constant thing every day of my sobriety. So I, I put a lot on that. I also put a lot on working with others. You know, that's mm-hmm. what, you know, even when I don't want to do it, which I'm just being honest, I'm selfish. And most of the time I don't <laughs> want to do it, but I, I know that my life depends on it. So I make time for it, you know? Well, and that's why we're here. We're, we're selfish, self-centered, egotistical beings. And, you know, it's, it's earned us a seat in many rooms. But I think that sometimes our, our selfishness can also be like our best ally, if that makes sense, right? Like some days I have to be selfish and say that, no, I have to go to this meeting. I have to be selfish and have my self-care. But that's a very easy line to start mixing, right? So I have to be careful of that. Am I being selfish and saying, I need self-care, but really I just want to watch Hereditary for the third time on Amazon Prime? (laughs) Or am I saying, no, I actually kind of need to protect my recovery right now and sit with God and For me, a lot of self-care looks like crossword puzzles because I'm 92 years old at heart. Um, But that is connection with God, and my grandfather did them, so like kind of my homage to him. Um, I heard this guy say once that, you know, when he was getting up and praying, he would get up, take a shower, do a bunch of stuff, and go pray. And then everything shifted when he started praying immediately, right? Um, like he's like, before I even take a pee, I go, I pray. And so that's something I've shifted in my recovery is like, I pray immediately. I can't say not before I use the bathroom because, you know, what, and I have to walk the dog too. But 
I realized that I was allowing all this time in between where I wasn't connecting with God. And it would sometimes touch into like, oh, it's 11 o'clock and I haven't talked to God yet. And he got me up, right? I did not wake up because if I'm running this show, I have 25 years of anecdotal proof to tell you it sucks. Um, So prayer life is good. That stuff you're doing a great job at. But what in your second year of sobriety has been the struggle fest? Oh. You can see Chancey's face. <laughs> but like what's what's not what's a room for improvement moment? Um it's gonna be my relationship with women. Okay. It's gonna have to be go with that. Um, you know, part of part of it I I like to blame on the bridges of hope because <laughs> there's no women there, so I I got practice dealing with all these things. Damn it, bro. Yeah. Out. Um, you know, which is what I needed at the time. But, you know, now, um, and nothing bad, but I, I, thinking back on my life, you know, I can't think of one healthy relationship I've been in. If it, going back to high school, I'm, I was drinking. Um, times were still good. Some of the times were good then, but I'm drinking. College, drinking and using, you know, even after, you know, drinking and using. So my relationships, I just don't have any. I don't have any experience with a sober relationship, so it's been hard to learn, you know? Um, What do I want? Do I want to date somebody in the rooms? Is that too much? Is there too much going on there? Do I want to date somebody outside? And and honest, if I'm honest with you, Zora, I don't have the answers yet. I'm still seeking, but uh, we'll we'll see where it it goes. You don't need to, right? And I think that's the beauty of being on this journey. And whether you're in recovery or not, like having a human experience and being willing to make progress in your life is that you don't have the answers and that's why we're a community of people right because that's something I am not the best at I am a know-it-all I am my I recently got into horoscopes and signs I blame Carissa but I'm a Capricorn through and through whatever that means um but sometimes I like to say well I know it all because that protects me I have to be the most intelligent person in the room because then you'll think I'm the best and you won't leave me right But when I start doing that, I prohibit myself from being open to learning things. And I have learned so much this year. So much of those false belief systems have been pulled apart. Um, I'm not perfect at relationships. I've got two failed relationships in sobriety. Um, And I thought they were going pretty good (laughs) or going pretty well. Um, So relationships with women, right? Kind of segue sort of a different way when you're in those relationships with women do you feel like sometimes your will takes over rather than allowing God into the situation and what's that look like for you absolutely absolutely you know um what it looks like for me is even when when you know when you feel when I feel that things aren't right Mm -hmm. but I want it anyway and this is what I want and it's me you know and you know um, I force I force things, you know. I force things, and and when things maybe aren't going the way they should, and maybe I should just turn and turn and run. I stay, yeah. um, or maybe, and it goes both ways. Sometimes things are going good, and I'm not used to that either, so I run. Um, but you know, I think more so. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that my self will, you know, shows up more in that aspect than it does anywhere else in my life because. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's sexual desires or what it is, but I, you know, it's, I want something, I get my mindset on it and it seems like, uh, you know, everything I practice kind of goes to the, goes to the wayside and I suffer for it. You know, (laughs) I feel it. I suffer for it, you know? Um, and it's one of those things like, uh, like somebody told me back at the bridge, you know, the same with using, you know, you're going to, until you've had enough hurt, you're not going to change anything. And that seems to be the case here. Um, I, Although I think I know what I should do, I have been yet unable to do it, you know, and move in a different direction. So, you know, I keep praying about it and uh, I learned things the hard way and it hadn't stopped just because I quit <laughs> right? Well, and I went to this awesome meeting on Sunday and um, I actually had a really cool experience where I, I had had a falling out with one of my closest friends um, two months ago, really. Um, well, it started then and then, you know, really officially a month ago, but we ended up reconnecting and like he sort of made a mini amends to me and it was like a beautiful thing. And, um, but he talked about how, you know, life doesn't get better just because we get sober, right? Like a lot of people like to say, my, uh, 
best day using is still not as good as my worst day in sobriety. And I think that's horseshit, right? Because my best days using were pretty fucking great. Yeah. The bad days using were not good, but... You know, my worst days in sobriety have really sucked. I had a little health scare recently, and that was scary. And I've had some, I've had breakups and financial troubles, and I've lost a lot of people. And, yeah, getting high was pretty good when it was good. Um, But we now have tools to handle those things. Like, you have the opportunity to continue to sit in it or change, but it doesn't matter either way because it's your experience, right? And... If you don't have the experience, then how are you ever going to learn something from it? That's what I've learned. I have to have my experience. Not to say I should sit in it um, or sit in the shit. Um, but no one else can change it for me. Let's be real. You right. can tell me all day long. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, people, and I get advice, you know, unsolicited or not. And um, a lot of times it's good advice. But like you said, I, I have to have my own experience. I think that... Um, I think it just boils down to just like what I'm using. I think I know best, you know, and I don't, and I don't, I usually don't know. I don't know what's right for me. And when, when something, when my initial feelings are usually, you know, God consciousness, like point me in a direction. And Mm -hmm. when I ignore those, I, like I said, I feel it. Like I feel it. And I don't always catch myself, you know, at first. And that's why I think, you know, close friends are so important. And the fellowship comes in is, is other people see changes in you, good or bad, a lot of times before you're able to see them. Yeah. Um, because you're in the middle of it, you know? Like, I'd be in the middle of this and just not see, because I'm blinded by whatever it is, emotions or, you know, fear, whatever it is. And I can't see these things. So I think that's where, you know, friends come into play and are able to point these things out to you. Yeah. And having a close network of people, you know, that they really will call you on your shit. And sometimes it comes in nasty packages that you don't want to hear and hopefully you know like what I try to do is to if I have something I want to bring up to someone I lead with love as much as possible but I need to have my ass kicked on occasion and for someone to say hey you're showing up like a person that no one wants to be around maybe let's do some work on that Um, because if I start to isolate then I'm allowing myself to be the one completely running the show. I am not biased. Or I am biased. I'm not unbiased. I can't see, like you are talking about, the blinders are on. I can't see that I'm being a total dickwad, and maybe it should be nicer to my coworkers or what have you. Um, so to take a complete 180, because my brain is going in a thousand directions, you say this line that's one of my favorite things ever to say, that we have areas where we didn't used to have areas, right? So what are some of the things that you're kicking ass at not this like we did the struggles what is going amazingly this year and you're really grateful for so I would say I would say really I think my recovery is stronger than it's ever been in and I backed off from meetings and things not just because Mm -hmm. of work which is also going well but and I still work with others you know when I first got in here I think I was going I was going to a meeting a day you know six meetings a week and I just don't require that anymore you know I think a lot of it was wanting to get out and meet people and I've met people but I think Right now, you know, my recovery, my prayer game, and my meditation is better than it's ever been. Um, and I have, I'm on a routine, you know, I do that and I go to the gym in the morning. And mm-hmm. the gym is kind of meditation to me. You know, I don't, I'm not in there meditating, but I, when I'm in the gym, I don't think about other things. Like, yeah. I just don't. I, I'm in there to work out and I really enjoy that time. Uh, and work, you know, I've started this new job. I got into sales as soon as I left uh, the Bridges of Hope. I got a job at Weedman. Got some great experience there. It was a great job. I got to work with some of my friends, and now I've transitioned into, uh, you know, I sell residential and commercial roofing for another friend of mine that owns a company, Sir Roof. And um, shout out Sir Roof. That's Sir Roof, SirRoof.com. But, um, <laughs> okay, had Connor. To play that in there. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I really love people. Like, most of my life I was doing physical labor, and it was a means to an end. It was to get mm-hmm. a check so I could get high. Now, um, I think this sales is going to be a career for me. I really... I really enjoyed. I love dealing with other right. people. Sky's the limit, you know. Monetary. Go open that uh, jet ski place you've always jet talked ski about. Jet rentals, you know. That might just be. Uh, well, we're doing good selling the roofs now. That was a, <laughs> that was an idea, but you know, maybe we'll still move out to California yeah. or something and rent jet skis. That's the dream. But <laughs> but work, you know, is going well, and it's really financially, it's um, the best that I've you know best off I've ever been. I was able to buy a truck for this job and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think in, as far as work goes, you know, doing pretty well and kicking ass, working with friends. And um, this, this company we're doing is, 
is on the up and up. Yeah. Um, You're not you know? doing any shady backdoor deals, you know? No, nah, no, nothing, you know? And we do deal with insurance a lot. Um, which is shady in itself. Which wrong, is right? shady itself, you know? And I work but, in insurance. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. So you know. It's, uh, but, but what I get joy out of is like, you know, we're almost like um, an advocate for homeowners getting to help yeah. them out. You know, I know you work for insurance, so you're mm-hmm. kind of on the other side of it. You know, you're kind of like Darth Vader I, and I'm Yeah, you know, I, I don't Kenobi. have anything to do with homeowners, thank <laughs> God. But I love it. I love my job. Kind of get to, uh, I, I really operate well when I have a schedule and it's not that I have a, a, a strict schedule, but there's something mm-hmm. that's got to be done every day. You know, a lot of time on the road, going different places and seeing things, which is what I love. And, and I'm not in an office because I hate being in an office. Yeah. Um, I talked about that with, um, somebody, Oh, I had lunch yesterday with a friend and, um, you know, he works mobile and, um, I was like, well, I guess I have to go back to the office now. Cause I sit in a desk, but I, I worked in restaurants forever. I would much prefer to be up and moving. Um, I do love my job, but I've noticed that I get up a lot, you know, and it's really simple. I just take a quick lap. I walk out the front of the office. I walk around to the back of the office and I come in, but I get a little antsy sitting there for eight, 10 hours a day. Um, it's, it's pretty cool though to have some big boy, big girl jobs in sobriety though, you know, to think of where we've come from is incredible. You know, where I was two and a half years ago, um, I had no purpose. And we talked about that on the last episode with Spencer and it sounds like you've found yours. Um, but, uh, what is, what's your goal for you're coming up on two, right? Right. And, uh, what's your goals for year three? So my third year, I, I really, as far as non-recovery related, you know, I'm ready to, uh, I'm tired of renting houses. I'm tired of renting and giving my money away. I want to own something. So starting to become more stable. Um, we kind of want to look into buying a house, buying an apartment, a condo, something like that. Um, you know, hopefully start settling down. You know, I think, you know, maybe the way I'm living is not really going to bring that about, but I think I'm ready to meet someone and, and yeah. see where that goes. You know, I really, I mean, I want that. I want kids and stuff. I'm not trying to rush any of that. Yeah, um, all in God's time. Right. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the time I was using people will say, well, you don't age. And I don't know about that, but I think there's a lot that I missed out on that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, catching up on now. And I'm not on anybody else's timeline. You know, I had a buddy the other day reach out. He's like, dude, you're 28. What are you doing? I said, bro, leave me alone. <laughs> like, he's a Marine too, you know, yeah. so they meet a girl. They want to get married the next day. Yeah, exactly. So I get it, but. I, I've been in that experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and I really agree with you on that because I, I talked, my dad's my favorite person in the whole world we talk almost every day um and he's had that conversation I'm about to be 28 right and you know he has all these suggestions he's my dad and um I do kind of feel like I missed the boat on certain things with my over a decade of of using right um but I have come so far and I also look at my dad my dad went back to law school with four kids two of which were older a new baby kicked ass at law school and is like an older associate lawyer and like but he's getting awards and doing the deal. And so I really see that anything is possible. And yeah, maybe I missed out on the traditional college experience, but I have experiences that can help someone else. Not to say that someone who goes to college doesn't have experience that can help someone, but if I turn my test into a testimony, someone else who's lost their mom, you know? So if you're listening to this and you've lost your mom, send me a shout out on Instagram, Control Issues 19. I'd love to talk to more women or or dudes who've lost parents and uh, um, had received the greatest Instagram message today from a guy who was like, hey, we got sober around the same time. And this podcast came at the perfect time and it warmed my heart Um, because I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it for the clout. Sorry, guys. Um, It's really just kind of awesome to sit down with people who really are making an impact like you are right beyond being nationwide I know I like to give you guys shit about that um but you're one of those people that a guy can look at and be like hey I need help will you help me or hey I just need to talk to someone and I know I've seen you do it you're not going to walk the other way and say no I'm too busy for that um so We've talked about struggles. We've talked about some things that are great. What's your your goals you have? Um, How are you feeling coming up on the holidays? Well, for me, I just just am so big book, 
it's, it's banged in my head and I just right. feel safe and protected. You know, a lot of people will talk about triggers and I don't believe yeah. that triggers are that thing. You know, for me, I would use when I had money or I'd use when I didn't. I'd use when I was happy. I'd use when I was sad. If it was Friday night or Monday night. So mm-hmm. those things are, those external things are just not even a thing. You know, like used to be holidays were bad. My family didn't want me around for obvious reasons and I would be there long enough to get presents. Hopefully it'd be money and then go get <laughs> <Amen>. high. <laughs> now I, I look forward to the holidays. Um, you know, I don't go home a lot to where I'm from just because I've found a job up here and found a community mm-hmm. and, um, and my parents are cool with that. They love the life I'm living. They're very proud of me and, and, uh, I'm sure they would like to see me more, but, but they know the deal. You know, I don't really like being in Carroll County, I don't think I'm even supposed to be in Carroll County. Um, uh, so <laughs> there's that, but but I love the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving, I spend with my family. I've got one grandmother left, and we recently had to put her in a nursing home, which is tough, you know. Mm-hmm. But she's there uh, in Carrollton, close to my family now. So Thanksgiving, I spend with my family. Christmas with my family, and I, I love it. And what I love even more now is, like, I'm able to to bring something. Not just right. – not just – Presence, which is new, because I definitely wouldn't bring anybody presents, but to be present myself, um, you know, and and to have my family want to be around me and for Mm -hmm. me to want to, you know, be around them. Um, So holidays are special. I love the holidays. I also like to spend them with with the people that are new in my life that share this right share this bond. You know, friendsgiving, and uh, you know, I I feel like my family's just grown the last you know year and a half, two years, and um, you know that's okay. I know a lot of people say they keep a small circle, and I'm the opposite. You know, I, I'm just very loving. I got a lot of love to give. I want to help anybody who who wants help or yeah. needs it. And like you said, I'm always I'm always here for any man or woman, whoever that needs to talk. Um, you know, because somebody was there for me when I needed it, and Amen they freely that. gave that to me. So I'm gonna freely pass it back. Well, I love what you said about being present. My my best friend's getting married on Sunday, and. <clears throat> Excuse me, yesterday she came over to try on her, I I have her wedding dress. Okay, that's pretty cool, right? I am trusted enough to keep someone's most important, probably, item of their wedding day. Trusted to deliver it to Carrollton for when she gets married. Um, But she came over yesterday, tried on her wedding dress for the last time before she gets married. And, like, the joy that was in my heart, not only to be present and to enjoy that experience with her, um, but have a connection with someone where, like, she's the one of the platonic loves in my life. I've been very blessed. I have some very close girlfriends and to see the joy in in her eyes of putting on that dress and be like, holy shit on Sunday, I get to be present and I'm going to remember all of it. Cause I've been in weddings that I saw myself in pictures and I don't know what I did. I've been kicked out of weddings. <laughs> um, actually getting kicked out of a wedding was part of a catalyst to me getting sober this time. Um, but being present is a is an experience that you won't understand until you get there, until you do the work, right? Yep, agreed. And it's you know it's um, it's simple. It's not easy, like it says in the book. But it's simple. It's outlined in one through one sixty four, and that's the program that I work. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't. Uh, you're going to hear some things in meetings that don't come out of the book. Those are opinions, you know. Yeah. Um, and those really don't have a place. I don't think in the rooms. Um, you know, I really just try to keep it keep it simple and stick to the book, stick to what Bill Wilson writes because it's proven and it works. Right. And uh, I don't need to complicate it anymore, although I do from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the clear-cut directions are there for us. Um, it's a design for living, you know, that's so much better than the way I used to live. It's a solution. It's a substitute for drugs, you know. Yeah, and it's you the can't, best substitute it, you, ever. It's the best. You, you remove drugs and what do you got? You got nothing, so you got to put something back there. And yeah. if you take something out, and I think that's in all aspects of life. If you're taking something out, you got to put something in. Um, and that's this program, and, you know, I, I'm i walking, living proof, just like you are, that it works. Mm-hmm. If you work it, it works. If you continue to work it, you keep coming back, and you and you do what's required, you know? Right. Nothing more, nothing less. It, it's going to work. It works I every time. I love that, the, the, if, it, if you do the work, right? So there's just... Uh, woman Lauren that's in the rooms um, and I will never forget a lot of her shares when I first I was like six months sober ish when I first started coming to HA and like um, but she would share these things from across the room it was like an auditorium style room and she'd be like you have to do the action and for a while I was like what the fuck is she talking about what do you mean the action right you tell me to pray but that's an action right and I had to learn that every time that I make a decision and I do something in my day, I can either choose the action that's going to get me closer to God and to be of maximum service or whatever is going to put me back on myself. And sometimes I choose that, right? Like sometimes I eat the last cupcake at work that I know Laura really wants. Um, (laughs) Or sometimes I 
and tell a friend, oh, hey, I can't really, you know, meet you for coffee. I'm so busy. And I am busy, but, like, it's the day that I'm watching Netflix. Um, but for the most part, my intuitive thought now is, like, how do I help someone? How do I help Drew this week? You know, she's getting married. And I'm like, Friday, I'm taking a half day. Let's do this. What do you need? How can I be helpful? Um, and that was not me. Honestly, that wasn't me two years ago. Like, newly sober, I was trying. But my innate thought was like, well, what about me? Right. And you've continued to grow through the process, you know. And that's what this is about. Is mm-hmm. You know, continuing to grow. Continuing to, to better ourselves, I think. And, and to form a stronger connection with God. Because coming into, coming into the rooms, uh, you know, fresh off of a relapse or off. If you've never been in, whatever it is, your, your problem and my problem is that I got no power. I've got no power. And that seems obvious. If I don't have power, what do I need? I need power. And where does that come from? That comes from God. And, you know, the only way to get that connection is through working the steps and uh, taking the action that's required. And, and once you have, that's why I swear that the prayer and the meditation, you know, it's not a suggestion. It's in the book. It's You're supposed yeah. to do it. It's not prayer or meditation. It's prayer and meditation. Because if I'm just talking to God all the time, I'm not listening. It's probably a lot of self out there. You know, yeah. I need to listen to God's will. Um, and I don't always know what God wants, but more often than not, I know, I know what he doesn't want, what I don't need to Mm do. Um, and you know, doors open and doors shut and, um, you know, we just keep moving. I keep doing the next right thing. Keep doing the next thing right. I think is what I like better because I don't always know what the next right thing is, but whatever I'm doing next, I can do it right. I can do it to the best of my ability. Um, and you know, that's living this program. The program's not these in the meetings or the rooms, you know, the program's in 164. It's a way of living. It's not yeah. going to a meeting. It's not, it's all that. It's all that, you know? Well, and living the program is not just the one hour you're sitting in that meeting. It's the time. It's the other 23 hours in the day where I have to make the choice to, do I show up to work on time? That's living the program, right? The living these principles in all in our lives, all the principles in our lives are, doing the things to connect with God. And I'll tell you what, God doesn't want me to be late to my job because that's disrespectful. That's rude. And then I have to stay later. So that's annoying to me. And Atlanta traffic is a bitch. If I do not leave before 4.30, I am screwed. Um, So before we part and I do some businessy things where I talk about connecting with uh, the podcast, um, what I've been asking some people is like, if you had to give one little snippet of wisdom out of your experience to someone who's either coming in or, you know, not quite sure what they're listening to, what would you give to them? That's a heavy question. It is. <laughs> it is a heavy question. And we've talked about so much, but, you know, we st- we say it at the end of our meetings and it's not keep coming back, it's stay, you know, mm-hmm. stay. Is that this works? There's abundant proof just here in the Atlanta area if we just want to talk about local I mean we've got meetings popping up everywhere big book studies um you know getting back to the basics I think just stay just stay in this program do the work put some effort in and and attack it like you know like like your life depends on it because your life does depend on it if you're like me yeah and you know I I totally resonate with that right like this is it for me and my life does depend on it because um, I just don't have that luxury, right? Like I'm, I'm the gutter junkie, right? I'm, I've proved that and my parents can vouch for my crap life. Um, and, and previous friends, right? Like I made, I had this chick I was friends with, um, for a long time in addiction. Then we stayed friends when I got sober, but then recently she told me she hoped that I died, you know, like, and, um, but that is the alternative for me. I'm so grateful that you're here tonight and you were so willing to be flexible with where we met. Um, It's always great to hear you talk and I can't wait. I love listening to these after we're done um, because I get so much more out of it, uh, you know, because then I can actually hear what you say. Um, So thank you to everyone who's tuned in to the podcast. If you're still here on episode five, fuck yeah, keep listening. Um, We have an incredible guest next week. I can't wait for people to hear what she has to say. She's going to bring something totally different to the table. Um, I've had a lot of my friends on and she and our friends, but it's going to be good. So please tune in for episode six. If you'd like to connect with the podcast, hit me up on Gmail, controlissues19 at gmail.com. Facebook, there's a Control Issues Facebook page. Instagram, Control Issues 19. Um, I'd love to hear feedback on topics or 
you know, anything you heard in this episode, what did you like? What do you disagree with? How are you doing going into the holidays? Um, always take more feedback on songs to listen to. You guys know I love the music. Um, and I'm ever so grateful for everyone that's had a hand in this. Um, can't be at Most High Studios today, but they kick ass down there. They're at. I think that's all the business. And um, hope everyone has a good week. Mirror, mirror on the wall, don't say it cause I know I'm cute Ooh, baby. Knew it down to my drawers, LV all on my shoes Ooh, baby. I be dripping so much sauce, got a bed looking like bread goo Ooh, Lit up like a crystal ball, that's cool baby, so is you, that's how I roll If I'm shining, everybody wanna shine yeah, I was born like this, don't even gotta try I like shouting, nigga, better over time I'm not the baddest bitch you like <laughs> Ain't my fault that I'm out here getting loose Gotta blame it on the goose Gotta blame it on my juice, baby Ain't my fault that I'm out here making news I'm the put it in the proof Gotta blame it on my juice Yeah, 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 Way more.